Well, once again, I want to welcome all of you to Faith Today. My name is Joe, and I, along with Pastor Tony and Pastor RJ, I have the privilege of serving here as one of the pastors um, in this place. And we are just so excited to have you here with us today because everything that we do as a church, everything we do is all about bringing Jesus into each one of our relationships. And so we are so excited to be able to celebrate and worship with you today. Now, if you're here um, in Troy, if you're in Troy with us for the first time, and you have a couple of minutes after the service, we have a small gift. We'd love to share with you, and we'd love to have the opportunity just to introduce ourselves to you personally. We're all going to be out in the lobby afterwards, and we'd love to learn a little bit more about you and your family, see if there's anything that we can do to serve you in the days and the weeks to come. For those of you who are watching with us online today, we are so honored. Um, we're so honored to be invited into your home that you would spend a couple of minutes uh, with us this morning. For everybody that's here right now, if you notice in the seat back in front of you, you'll see that there's a little QR code that looks just like this one right here. If you would just scan that, those of you who are at home, you can actually scan this on your television or on your computer screen, and it will work, I promise. And so when you scan that QR code, one of two things is going to happen. Um, if you already have our Church Center app, it's going to give you the opportunity to let us know that you're here with us today. If you do not have that app, it will automatically take you to your app store where you can download that. That is the best way to stay connected with everything that's going on here at Faith, like our upcoming night of service happening on April the 27th. Now, um, we do these events periodically, and the reason we do them is simply to remind our world um, that their Heavenly Father loves them, that He cares for them. And that as followers of Jesus, part of the reason why he has us here is to actually take care of people who are in need. People who need to know that they're loved. Whether or not they actually care about God or not, that doesn't matter to us. Um, we just want to show them that they are loved by their Heavenly Father. And so at this night of service on April the 27th at 6.30 p.m., we are going to come together and we're going to package a minimum of 10,000 meals on that evening. And a third of those meals are going to stay here in Troy at our food pantry. Another third are going to go to a national food bank. The remaining third are actually going to go overseas to an international food bank where they are desperately needed, where food supplies are desperately needed in our world right now. The way that you can participate with this, and we need your help, so I'm hoping that you show up, um, is simply, again, you get that Church Center app, once it's set up, you click in the lower right-hand corner, you'll see a, a button there that says signups. You just look for this picture, and it will tell you exactly what you need to do. And I hope to see you on April the 27th at 6.30 p.m. Well, the reason why Easter is such a, a big deal to me personally, in fact, the reason why Easter is such a big deal to all Christians all over the world, um, is because uh, Easter, the, the resurrection, um, really is, it, it, is uh, it is everything, it is the most significant thing, it is the anchor to our faith. Right? Because if Easter is true, if the resurrection is true, then that means it's game on for all things Jesus, and if the resurrection didn't happen, um, then that means it, it's game over. Right? Because everything that we believe as followers of Jesus, everything we believe as Christians, all of it, right, all of it, it hinges and it hangs on this, this singular event in history that we refer to as the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus is, in fact, what launched the church, and the resurrection of Jesus is what launched Christianity. Before the resurrection, you should know this, before the resurrection, there were no, there were no Christians. There were no um, Jesus followers. Because before the resurrection, everybody expected that when Jesus was crucified, that Jesus was just simply going to do what all dead people always do, right? Just stay what? Stay dead, right? Not a trick question. Stay dead, 
right? When Jesus was crucified, everybody thought that Jesus would just stay dead because that's just what dead people do, right? Nobody, right? Nobody was standing outside the tomb on that very first Easter saying, any minute, right? Any minute, Peter, you got to hurry up. You don't want to miss this. John, relax already. We're almost there. It'll be fine. Thomas, quit being such a downer. I mean, come on, Thomas. You just got to believe. Thomas, you just got to believe. You got to, just got to believe, Thomas, right? Nobody was doing that. Because when everybody looked inside that empty tomb on that very first Easter, everybody was surprised because nobody expected no body. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote to some followers of Jesus living in the first century. Um, He encapsulated and incorporated all all of this um, so amazingly, so perfectly. And so um, today as we're together for a few minutes, I I want us to read what the Apostle Paul said. Um, And then I want to tell you why what he said is so extremely important and so extremely relevant to every single one of us. This is what the Apostle Paul says. Beginning in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. Right Now we hear this word gospel um, all the time. Um, The apostle Paul is about um, to explain exactly what this word means. And then he goes on and he says this. "Um, Which you have received and on which you have taken your stand, he continues, for what I received, right, we're going to talk about that in a minute, what I received, Paul says, I actually passed on to you as of first importance, right, meaning this is the most important thing, that Christ died for our sins and that he, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, right, because that's what you do with dead people, right, you bury them, right, and then he continues and he says this, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and then he appeared to Peter, and then he appeared to the 12. After that, right, after that, he actually appeared to more than 500. 500 of the brothers and the sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living. Right? This is the Apostle Paul. Don't miss this. This is the Apostle Paul saying, listen, fact check me on this if you want to. Right? I get it. I understand that what I'm saying to you is difficult to believe. But if you don't believe what I'm telling you right now, Paul is saying, you get yourself a donkey. You get on down here to Jerusalem because there are still hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in this city who will tell you, I saw Jesus crucified. And yes, I have seen a resurrected Jesus. Those people, he says, they are still living. Though, right, and I love this part, though some have fallen asleep. Now, did you know that all throughout the New Testament, whenever Christians speak of somebody dying, they always speak of death as falling asleep. Do you know why Christians speak of death as someone falling asleep? Because when a person falls asleep, they eventually wake up. Their confidence in the resurrection was so strong, they were comfortable speaking of people who had died, even their loved ones, even their family members. They were so confident they could speak of those people as though they had simply fallen asleep. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of confidence? And then he wraps up by simply saying this. Then Jesus appeared to James. This is actually Jesus' um, brother. And then he appeared to all of the apostles. Now, 
since the, the resurrection, right, since everything in, in Christianity kind of hangs and hinges on, on this singular event in history called the resurrection, since this is um, the, the anchor of everything that we believe and everything that we say that matters as followers of Jesus, here's what I, I want to do today. I want to do three things, and I want to talk to three groups of people for just a couple of minutes. Um, right? First of all, um, for all of those of you um, who, who do believe, um, but sometimes if you're honest, you, you're curious, Right? Because you're curious and you wonder, am I really going to see my loved ones again? Is what I believe, is, it, is this really real? Is, is that what I believe, is this actually true? I want to assure all of you who, like me, believe, but who are in fact sometimes curious, that yes, you will actually see your loved ones again someday. That there really is more to life than simply this life. And then second, for those of you who are here right now, and you're just kind of curious how anyone in the 21st century could actually believe such crazy things, right? Because if you're honest, the only reason you're here right now, the only reason you're watching with us right now is simply because this is just what your family does on Easter. This is what your friends do uh, on Easter. And your arms may not be crossed on the outside, but they are definitely crossed on the inside. Because you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, okay, really? Like, really, how in the world can people in the 21st century actually continue to believe such crazy things? Dead people do not come back to life except in the multiverse. Right? If that's you, right? If that's you, listen, I am so glad. I am so glad that you're here with us today. I, I'm so thankful that you're here with us today. Um, because, listen, I, I, I understand that. And all I hope to do today is just remove one objection. Just one objection that you have towards Jesus, just in case you ever decide that you actually want to know more about Jesus. And listen, if that is you, okay, if that is you, you need to know. Um, we are a church where it is safe to ask questions about Jesus, and it's safe to ask questions about faith. You're wanted here, and you are welcome here, and I'm so glad that you're watching with us, so glad that you're here today. And then for those of you who are curious, um, if you could ever believe again, Right, because you're like me. You actually grew up in church. You went on the retreats, maybe even went on a mission trip. You got baptized, you dedicated your life, you signed a card, right? You bought the t-shirt, you've been there, you've done that, right? You, you did all that. But then you went off to college or maybe you went off to graduate school. And, and you got confronted with some very um, difficult questions about Jesus and religion and church and the Bible. And, and, and the truth is, when you came home, all you got were a bunch of Sunday school answers to your adult questions. And so you just kind of, um, you, you kind of lost. Maybe you would say that you actually walked away from your faith. If that's you today, um, I, I'm so glad that you're here. I just want to give you a stepping stone back um, to your faith. Not, uh, not necessarily the faith of your childhood but rather a whole new faith, an adult version of faith. And, and see, the, the truth is, the key for all three of those groups, all three, whichever one of those groups you're in, the, the key to all of us, the way forward for all of us, is actually found in the section of Scripture um, that we looked at together just a moment ago. That section of Scripture is what points the way forward for all of us. Because, and here's, here's why I say this, um, the, the primary argument, and some of you know this, and, and all of you should know this, um, but the primary argument against um, the resurrection, which makes this the primary argument against all of Christianity, is that the resurrection is nothing more than a myth 
that resulted from decades and decades of oral transmission and exaggeration. Right? That it, was never, it never really happened. That the whole story of the resurrection was nothing more than a, a story that grew up over time, was made bigger and bigger and bigger over time by a later generation in order to suit the agenda of that generation of people. In other words, what you were told or what you will be told in, in school is that you actually can't trust any of what the Gospels have to say about what Jesus said or what Jesus did. And you certainly can't trust what the Gospels say about the resurrection because those events were written so much after, so long after all the eyewitnesses were all dead and, and gone. And, and, and someone who, the, person who, the people who fabricated the Bible, they just kind of made up those stories um, to make Jesus into something that Jesus never claimed to be and certainly something that Jesus never was. Was. That the resurrection is nothing more than a myth that grew up over time, and it was simply the result of oral tra tradition and exaggeration. This is the classic argument against the resurrection, which makes it the classic argument against all of Christianity. And so today, um, as we have a couple of minutes together today, uh, my hope um, is to tell you something actually that you've probably never heard before. And probably uh, the truth is even your professors at school, probably even your graduate professors, um, they actually didn't know this either. And so here we go. All scholars, right, all scholars agree, and the truth is all scholars don't actually agree on much, but all scholars do agree that the Apostle Paul was a real person, that he lived in the first century, and that he had an extraordinary influence on Christianity. All scholars everywhere will agree with this statement. You will not find a scholar anywhere who will disagree with any of this. Now, you probably also know um, that the Apostle Paul wrote a whole series of letters, 13 of which made it into our New Testament. Um, and, and not surprisingly, not all scholars agree that the Apostle Paul um, was in fact the author of all 13 of those documents. They do, however, agree that the Apostle Paul was in fact the author of seven of those documents and that those seven documents were in fact written in the 50s and the 60s, right? Not the 1950s and the 1960s, but like the original five O's and six O's. Right? And scholars actually refer to those collection of that specific collection of documents, they refer to them as the undisputed letters of the Apostle Paul. Right? Nobody, nobody, no scholar anywhere argues that the Apostle Paul was not a real person who lived in the first century, who had extraordinary influence on Christianity, and who was, in fact, the author of these seven documents which made it into our New Testament. Now, here's the part where I want you to kind of follow along close. Um, because for the next few minutes, I do not want you to think about what the Bible says, because the Bible, as we think about it, was not actually assembled until 300 years after these documents were written. Right? So what we're going to talk about together for these next few minutes is not simply what the Bible says. What we're going to talk about is what the undisputed letters of the Apostle Paul say as he wrote to the followers of Jesus living in the first century. Now, if you've ever been curious about how we got the Bible, or whether or not you can believe the Bible, if you've been told uh, for some reason that you can't trust the Bible, 
Starting next weekend, we're going to do a very special two-part series about how we got the Bible and why we can believe it. And so I hope that you will join us. If you've got questions like that, if you've ever been, been told that, I hope you'll join us in person, join us online for these next two weekends for this very, very important series together. Now, interestingly enough, the section of Scripture that we looked at at the beginning from 1 Corinthians is in fact a part of one of those undisputed letters from the Apostle Paul that was written in the year 55 AD. Now, this is where I need you to like come on back if you've drifted off. I want to try to make this as simple as possible. I want to put all this into some context. Um, this is really important. It's a lot of information. I get this. Um, but this is so significant no matter what you believe about Jesus and the resurrection. All scholars agree, right, all scholars agree that Jesus um, was crucified in either 30 or 33 A.D. No credible scholar anywhere um, debates the fact that Jesus was not an actual person who lived in history, who lived and taught in the area of Palestine, and who claimed to be a teacher sent from God during the first century. No scholar anywhere debates any of that. They also all agree that the Apostle Paul wrote that letter to the Corinthians in 55 AD and that he actually wrote that letter, this is key, three years after he visited the city of Corinth in 52. Okay, No scholar anywhere debates any of this. This is undisputed. And this is why the Apostle Paul actually said in that section that we just read, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, right? Past tense. He's reminding them in writing of what he told them in person when he was with them. Which you received and on which you have taken your stand. For what I received, right, I passed on to you. The Apostle Paul is saying, listen, I received this, right? In other words, somebody told me about this, right? So I told you about it. That's what Paul's saying. I'm reminding you in person. I'm reminding you in writing of what I said to you in person, right? That's what Paul's saying to us. Now, you say, so what? Okay, here's the point. This is why this matters. When the Apostle Paul wrote this, this was not the first time the people living in Corinth heard this. They, this was not new to them. This was not new with the Apostle Paul. This was something that was passed on to him. They already heard this before. The Apostle Paul saying, saying to them, listen, I'm just passing on to you. Something was passed on to me. And what I'm passing on to you is of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried. Right, again, you need to know this. Nobody debates what happened to Jesus. Everybody agrees that Jesus was in fact executed around the year either 30 or 33 A.D. Nobody argues with that. But see, then we get to the part that people argue about. Paul tells us, and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now, if you're paying attention, this is actually the point where we need to call a little bit of a time out. Um, because, um, be, because, listen, um, if the Apostle Paul wrote this in 55 after uh, being with the people in Corinth and telling them about this in person in 52, that's just 20 years. Right? That's just 20 years after the resurrection. Now I get it. Listen, if you're 25 years old, 20 years seems like a long time ago. When you're 50 years old, right? 20 years isn't all that long ago, is it? 
And here's something else that you probably didn't know. The church in Corinth was not the first church that the Apostle Paul visited. In fact, many years before that, in the area of Cyprus in Galatia, in 44 AD, the Apostle Paul was in that region of the world, and he was telling the people there the very same thing that he told the people in Corinth in 52 AD, that Jesus was risen from the dead. Right? Now, this is just 11 years. Right? This is just 11 years after the resurrection. Right? Not 20, not 30, not 40, not 50 Right? This is just 11 years after the crucifixion. And the Apostle Paul is telling us that he believed that Jesus was risen from the dead. And not only that, that Jesus actually appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. Right? Which should make us ask another question. How in the world did the Apostle Paul know that Peter believed that Jesus was risen from the dead? Well, he tells us how he knew that, and he actually tells us in another undisputed letter. A letter that we know of as the letter to the Galatians. And in this letter, the Apostle Paul says, don't miss this, three years. Three years after I became a follower of Jesus, Paul says, I actually met with Peter and James. This is what he says. And again, nobody disputes any of this. Then after three years, three years after I became a follower of Jesus, right, I went up to, get to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter, and I stayed with him. Right? Notice the detail. Fifteen days. Right? While I was there, Paul says, I didn't actually get the opportunity to meet with any of the other apostles. However, I did get to meet with Jesus' brother James. Right? Jesus' brother James. Now this is a big deal. Because this meeting with the Apostle Paul and Peter and James, this takes place around the year 40 A.D. But Paul just told us that this was actually three years after he became a follower of Jesus, which means the Apostle Paul became a follower of Jesus in 37. Right? 37. This is just a handful of years. This is less than five years after the resurrection. And the Apostle Paul is telling us that Peter and Paul and James are all in the city of Jerusalem and they're all talking about the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead. Now listen, this is amazing. And see, some of you, you actually understand this because you may know this, you may not know this, but James did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God while Jesus was alive, right? And see, the truth is, some of you actually understand this because, I mean, think of it this way. What would it take for you to believe that your older brother was the Son of God? Like, pretty much a resurrection is about the only thing that's going to do it, right? Well, James was just like you. He understood that. James did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God until after he encountered his resurrected older brother. Now, again, going back to our timeline for just a minute. Right? If all we had, right, if all we had was this, right, undisputed evidence of somebody talking about the resurrection within 20 years of the resurrection, right? That by itself would be amazing. But we actually have written undisputed accounts that go to within just a couple of years, right? Just a handful of years of the resurrection telling us that people in Jerusalem already believed that Jesus was risen from the dead. Right? In other words, the first accounts that we have of the resurrection are not actually found in Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. 
The first written accounts of the resurrection are actually from the Apostle Paul, the Jesus hater and church persecutor who became a Jesus follower and a church builder once he encountered his resurrected older brother. Now, this is the part that you probably have never heard before. And if you think I'm making all this up, then I'm telling you right now, Google is your friend, okay? Scholars believe, right? Scholars believe, both believing and unbelieving, right? So this is a big deal. Scholars, both believing and unbelieving, um, are convinced that part of what the Apostle Paul wrote in this section of text in 1 Corinthians was actually a part of a pre-existing creed. Now, creed is not a band from the 90s. That's not what we're talking about. A creed is, in fact, a carefully crafted, memorable series of statements that's used to ensure accurate transmission of important information, right? And here's why people use creeds, right? Because very few people in the first century could actually read or write. And the truth is, in a very large, very wealthy city, maybe 10 to 15% of the population could read or write. Once you got into the suburbs, you got into the rural areas, virtually no one could read or write. And so creeds were used to help people who could not read or write to learn. And the truth is, all of us, right, all of us, we actually have experience. You actually have experience with creeds in your life. In fact, I'm willing to bet um, that you know a very famous creed that goes like this. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and now, why in the world does somebody take the alphabet, break it up that way, and give it that rhythm and that cadence, right, in order to teach children who could not read or write how to learn the alphabet? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. Now I know my ABCs. Next time, won't you? See, you already learned it, right? That's the power Right, that's as close to singing as I'll ever get. That's the power of a creed. And scholars believe that in this section of scripture, the Apostle Paul was actually incorporating a pre-existing creed that was already so famous to the followers of Jesus that they actually had memorized it before Paul even wrote it. In fact, even in English, because um, originally this is all written in Greek, right? So even in English, if we um, tweak, if we modify a couple of the words in English, you can still get the rhythm and the cadence of this ancient, ancient creed that goes like this. Christ died for our sins and was buried. He rose from the dead and was seen. Right? Christ died for our sins and was buried. He rose from the dead and was seen. Christ died for our sins and was buried. He rose from the dead and was seen. Chances are all of you right now could repeat this simple creed after just hearing it three times because of the rhythm and the cadence. This is the gospel. This is the most important thing. This is of first importance. And see, Paul's letter to the Corinthians is in fact undisputed evidence that the people in Jerusalem who saw Jesus die actually believed that Jesus was risen from the dead. And Paul's letter to the Corinthians, it actually proves two more things. It proves that the resurrection was not the result of decades of oral transmission, and it also proves that belief in the resurrection was in fact documented while the eyewitnesses were still living. Now this is huge. Right? This is huge. And maybe you're sitting there and you're saying to yourself, okay, um, well, that's fine. Well, I can explain how it happened. The Apostle Paul, he just made all of it up. 
right? Okay, listen, if that's you, um, you should know this, right? Um, no scholar, unbelieving, agnostic, atheist, right? Unbelieving, believing, agnostic, atheist scholar, no credible scholar anywhere in the history of the world has ever accused the Apostle Paul of being a liar. Did you know that? The reason no one has ever accused the Apostle Paul of just fabricating all this and just making all of this up is because his life actually validated his belief. Right? Nobody argues that the Apostle Paul was an educated man, that he was a connected man, that he was a Pharisee, that he was a wealthy man. That he left all the comforts of home, he left his family, he left his belief system, and he did the most dangerous thing imaginable in his day. He actually got on a ship and traveled all around to the major port cities of the Mediterranean, telling people in each of those cities that Jesus was risen from the dead. And see, that's why scholars all believe that the Apostle Paul was absolutely convinced that what he was saying was true. Because nobody... Right? Nobody, nobody, nobody would ever do such a thing otherwise. And Paul's letter, right? just this one letter alone, just this letter to the Corinthians, um, this letter also proves that the Bible did not create Christianity because the Bible wouldn't even be assembled for 300 years after these letters were written. And it also proves that Christians did not create Christianity. That Paul's letter to the Corinthians, as well as his other undisputed letters, prove that only a resurrection, a resurrection is what created Christianity. In fact, only a resurrection, only a resurrection actually explains the courage of the followers of Jesus, who right after they saw Jesus himself arrested, tried, and crucified, after they were standing eyeball to eyeball with the very same people who had just arrested, tried, and crucified Jesus, only a resurrection explains their courage when they were asked, in whose name are they preaching? And they said, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Right? And then they looked into the eyes of the very people who crucified Jesus and said, whom you crucified, but whom God has raised from the dead. See, this tells us, do not miss this, the message of the resurrection was central to the message of the first followers of Jesus. This was weeks later. This was not decades later. When the apostles themselves, Peter and John, when they were arrested by the very same people who had just arrested and threatened with crucifixion, just as Jesus had been crucified. And this was their message. They said this, they said, listen, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name. There is no other name. There is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Nobody had this much courage when staring at the possibility of being crucified. This was the point that people dropped to their knees and they begged for mercy. And yet Luke, Luke who carefully documented and investigated all of these things, Luke is the one who tells us that when the very people who executed Jesus, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that Peter and John were nothing more than a couple of, of unschooled, ordinary men. They were just a couple of fishermen. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And when the apostles were threatened 
with execution and when they were warned to never again speak or to teach in the name of Jesus. Listen to what they said. Which is right? Which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to God? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have, what? Seen and heard. Not what we believe. No, we can't help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Because these eyewitnesses, they saw Jesus die. They saw him placed into an empty tomb. And then they stood inside that tomb and they saw that it was completely empty and they assumed what anybody would assume, that somebody stole the body. And then they had breakfast with their friend Jesus on the beach. And see, listen, you cannot scare men and women who are not afraid of death. And you cannot scare men and women who have been eyeball to eyeball with the resurrection and the life. And see, that's how all this got started, right? It's an event that changed my life. I hope it's an event that's changed your life. It's an event that has changed our world. It's an event that continues to change our world. And see, the truth is, there is no better day than this day. There is no better day than this day to acknowledge the name that stands above every other name. The name of Jesus, who died for our sins and was buried, and who rose from the dead and was seen. And so today, as we wrap up our time together, um, I, I'm gonna, I want to give everybody uh, who's here with us in Troy, those of you who are watching with us online, I want to give everyone actually a chance um, to respond. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you just to, to bow your heads for a minute. Um, even if you're at home, and I get it, it probably feels awkward at home. Um, but if you just kind of bow your heads for, for a moment. Um, and I'm going to invite you um, to respond in, in one of three ways. Um, if you're here with us or if you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, okay, you know, there's, there's more to this than I thought there was. So I am curious. I am curious. If that's you, would you just simply, um, just simply, and you can use my words, you can pray your own words, would you simply say, Heavenly Father, I'm curious if Jesus is really real. So would you please show me? That's all you have to say. Heavenly Father, I'm curious if Jesus is really real. So please show me. And then for others of you, um, this goes way beyond just simply curiosity. Um, this is something you believe. And, and maybe you were gone for a while, maybe um, you're kind of trying to figure things out for a while, but um, you're here today, you're watching today, and, and you know this is something you grew up with, and this is something... Maybe you still have some questions, but you do believe. You do believe that Jesus died for you and that he rose from the dead. If that's you, um, would you just simply say, Heavenly Father, I do believe. I do believe, and I'm back. And Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for always loving me and never giving up on me. 
no matter what. And then for some of you watching today, for some of you who are listening today, for a few of you, um, something kind of rose up inside of you today. Because this is not what you were expecting. And and you didn't come here expecting this. You weren't looking for this um, in any way. But you found yourself at some point today saying, you know what, I, I do believe. If that's you, would you be willing to simply whisper this prayer? And say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that Jesus was buried. I believe he rose from the dead. And I believe that he was seen. And so, Father, for all of us today, no matter which of these groups we find ourselves in, Father, would you just hear us? as we personally and silently confess our sin and as we talk to you. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus died for your sin. That he was buried. And then he rose from the dead. And he was seen. And so your sin, it is truly forgiven. In Jesus' name.